ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so continuing with Sharh al-Sunnah of Al-Imam al-Barbahari rahimahullahu ta'ala We're now in this section where he says وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ صَلَاةَ الْفَرِيضَةِ خَمْسُ صَلَوَاتٍ لَا يُزَادُ فِيهِنَّ وَلَا يُنْقَصُ فِي مَوَاقِيتِهَا وَفِي السَّفَرِ رَكَعَتَانِ إِلَّا الْمَغْرِبِ فَمَنْ قَالَ أَكْثَرَ مِنْ خَمْسٍ فَقَدِ بْتَدَعَهُ وَمَنْ قَالَ أَقَلَّ مِنْ خَمْسٍ فَقَدِ بْتَدَعَهُ لَا يَقْبَلُ اللَّهُ شَيْئًا مِنْهَا إِلَّا لِوَقْتِهَا إِلَّا أَنْ يَكُونَ نِسْيَانًا فَإِنَّهُ مَعْذُورٌ يَأْتِ بِهَا إِذَا ذَكَرَهَا أو يكون مسافرا فيجمع بين الصلاتين إن شاء. This section now, Imam al-Barbahari is talking about the five obligatory prayers. The five obligatory prayers. So he says, know that the obligatory prayers are five prayers. The obligatory prayers are five prayers. They are not to be increased, i.e. there is no such thing as seven or ten or fifteen obligatory prayers every day. There are five. They are not increased. And similarly, you cannot decrease or you cannot pray them outside of their times. And when you are traveling... Then it is only two raka'at for every prayer apart from maghrib, which is three. So whoever says that there are more than five obligatory prayers, then he has innovated. And whoever says that there are less than five obligatory prayers, then he has innovated. And Allah will not accept any of these prayers unless they are on time, within their times. Except if it was forgetfulness. In that case, you pray when you remember. Or if a person was traveling, then he can combine two of the prayers if he wishes. So here now, he's going to give some of the rulings about the five obligatory prayers. The five obligatory prayers, they are an obligation as it is mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah. In the Quran and the Sunnah, we are told that there are five obligatory prayers. These are not optional, these are not a choice, these are not prayers that you pray if you want to and if you miss them there's no problem. Rather, these are five obligatory prayers that you must pray every day. To such an extent that even if you can't stand and pray, you're injured or you're ill, it's in the sunnah. There's a hadith of the Prophet that you can sit and pray. If you're so injured or ill that you can't even sit up, then it's mentioned in the hadith you can even lie down and pray. To such an extent that if you are unable to move at all, you're paralyzed, 
Then in the hadith it says you can still pray with your eyes. Move your eyes and pray. Take your eyes down when it's the ruku'ah. Take them further down when it's the sajda. So the prayer cannot be missed or abandoned. The prayer must be performed five times a day. And the one who does not do that is a great sinner. A severe sin to such an extent the scholars even spoke about kufr. Disbelief out of the fold of Islam. Regarding the issue of the one abandoning the prayer. So Allah says in the Quran. Aqeemu salah Many times in the Quran Allah mentions Aqeemu salah Wa aqeemu salata wa atu zakah Establish the prayer Establish the prayer and give the zakat Wa bayyanati sunnatu annaha khamsu salawatin fil yawmi wal layla And the sunnah then explained to us That these are five prayers Five prayers in the day and the night. وَبَيَّنَتْ تَفَاصِيلَ الْأَعْمَالِ فِي هَذِهِ الصَّلَةِ The sunnah also explained to us how these five prayers are supposed to be prayed. What is the description of how to pray these five prayers? What are you supposed to do in the prayer physically? What are you supposed to read and supplicate in the prayer with? All of those details are mentioned in the sunnah so that Muslims know exactly how to pray. Just like the Prophet ﷺ used to pray. Because there is a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said, Pray as you have seen me pray. Pray as you have seen me pray. The companions of the Prophet ﷺ saw the Prophet ﷺ praying and they narrated that, those narrations of how they saw the Prophet ﷺ praying and that was passed on and that was narrated, those authentic narrations. And so we pray in the manner that the Prophet ﷺ prayed in terms of standing, in terms of the ruku', in terms of the sujood, the prostration, and the supplications that you read. And also the sunnah has told us the times of the prayers. When are the prayers supposed to be? What are the times in which the prayers are supposed to be prayed in? Because there are five prayers and every one of those five prayers has a particular time range that you are supposed to pray those prayers within. Dhuhr and Asr and Maghrib and Isha and Fajr. How do we know then what these time periods are? What the range is when you can pray Fajr from which time to which time? The next prayer, Dhuhr, which time to which time? Asr, which time to which time? Maghrib, Isha. How do we know the times? It's mentioned that Jibreel alayhi salatu wassalam on the morning of Al-Isra, the night of Al-Isra, Al-Mi'raj, that Jibreel alayhi salam, he came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi sallam on that morning then, and he prayed with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He led the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the Dhuhr prayer, and then in the Asr prayer, at the beginning time, 
the first possible time to pray dhuhr in jibril alayhi salam came and prayed with the prophet sallallahu alayhi salam the dhuhr prayer at the first possible time that it is possible to pray it at then he also prayed the asr prayer with the prophet sallallahu alayhi that day at the opening possible time to pray asr in then he also prayed with him maghrib at the opening time of maghrib and isha at the opening time of isha and fajr at the opening time of fajr so on that first day jibril alayhi salam came and he prayed all of the five prayers with the prophet at the beginning time the first possible time to pray every one of those prayers so now the prophet knew what the earliest possible time was to pray fajr he knew what the beginning first possible time was to pray dhuhr the beginning first possible time to pray asr same for maghrib same for isha but what was not known yet was what is the last possible time to be able to pray fajr in how long can you still pray fajr up till until the time ends how long can you keep or, or how long can you pray the fajr or the dhuhr up to until the time for dhuhr ends so the next day jibreel alayhi salam came back and he prayed the prayers with the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam again but this time he prayed them at the last possible time so in that way over the course of the two days the prophet ﷺ now knew what the beginning time for each prayer was and what the end time for each prayer was because on one day jibreel ﷺ prayed at the beginning times and on the other day he prayed at the end times so in that way the prophet ﷺ now knew what the beginning time and the end time the range for each prayer was so with fajr what is that what is the opening time for the fajr prayer and what is the latest possible time for the fajr prayer the true dawn we studied this before once the true dawn meaning at night it becomes pitch black then in the morning the light starts to appear when the light starts to appear in the morning initially at first the light will appear in a vertical manner it will appear straight up into the sky like in a column a column of light going straight up into the sky that is the manner that the light first appears in the morning that is not dawn that is not the actual fajr time starting yet that is the false fajr as it is known because moments later that light which came up vertically up into the sky it will disappear and it will go pitch black again it will go dark again then later the light will come out again but the second time when the light comes out now it will come out in a horizontal manner it will come out in a horizontal manner across the horizon that is when the time for fajr begins now you're allowed to pray the fajr prayer you're not allowed to pray the fajr prayer when the light initially comes out in a vertical way straight upwards because that light disappears after a while 
Then when the light comes out again the second time, this time it comes out horizontally across the horizon. That is when the time for Fajr begins. If you're fasting that day, when you see the horizontal light coming out, you have to stop eating. When you see the first light coming out, the vertical one, you can carry on eating. But the horizontal light, when it comes out, now the time for Fajr has begun and you must stop eating. And it is allowed for you to pray now. When does the time for Fajr end? Up until sunrise. Up until sunrise, once sunrise begins, once that occurs, when that time arises, then it is no longer the time for Fajr. Now the time for Fajr has ended. When the sunrise occurs, the time for Fajr has ended. So now you know the time for Fajr. It is from the second time the light comes out in the horizontal way across the horizon up until sunrise. What about the time for Dhuhr then? The second one here now is the Dhuhr. وَأَخَّرَ الظُّهُرْ إِلَىٰ آخِرِ وَقْتِهَا On the second day he prayed the Dhuhr till the last time. When does the Dhuhr begin and when does it end? The brother says, Dhuhr starts when the sun is at its highest point. So it's not at the actual highest point. It's when the sun gets to the highest point and then declines and goes past the highest point. When the sun is exactly at the highest point, it's actually prohibited to pray. It's not allowed to pray at that time. Only when the sun goes just past the exact middle of the day at the highest point, when it goes just past that, now the time for Dhuhr begins. So just when the sun goes past the uh, middle point, the highest point in the sky, when it just starts to descend, then Dhuhr begins. How will you know that the sun has just started to descend? How would you know that the sun is no longer in the middle point, but it has, has begun to descend? Because in the morning, your shadow will be which direction? You're standing outside in the sun in the morning. 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m. Where will your shadow be? In which direction? On your left? Northeast, south or west? The shadow will be in the west. So if you're standing outside in the morning... Uh, 8, 9, 10 a.m. On a sunny day, your shadow will be in the west. Why is that? Because the sun rises in the east. So now, from the way you're looking, east will be here, correct? North is here, east is here, west is here, south is here. When you're stood here now, the sun is coming up from here, the east. In the morning, the sun is coming up in the east. So your shadow is going to be down here in the west. Because the sun is coming up on the east. So how would you know when the sun has gone past the middle point of the day at the highest point? It's obvious. As soon as your shadow... Because as the morning 
gets older and older. As the morning goes on, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m., your shadow becomes smaller and smaller. When the sun goes right to the middle of the day, your shadow is now right beneath you. As soon as the sun goes past the middle of the day, your shadow is now going to appear on the east, on the east side now. Because now the sun has gone just down into the west side. Because it's going to go and sink into the west. It's going to set into the west. So it's gone past the middle of the day just towards the west. Which means your shadow will now start to appear on the east. As soon as that occurs, you now know the time for Dhuhr has begun. Because now the sun has gone past the middle point of the day. That's when Dhuhr begins. How long does it carry on till? What time could you carry on praying Dhuhr till? Until your shadow is equal to the length of yourself. So now as the sun goes into the west and your shadow appears on the east, it will continue to grow and grow and become larger the more the sun goes down. When your shadow becomes equal to the length of the object. So the shadow now is up to here. Equal to the length of the object. Here's your object. If you lie it down, if the shadow is that same length as the actual object, now the end of Dhuhr is there. When the shadow becomes equal to the length of its object. So that's the end of Dhuhr then. Which now means therefore what begins? Asr time therefore begins when the shadow is equal to the person. As soon as it gets to that level and starts to increase, Asr time has begun. And when does Asr time end? One opinion of the scholars is at sunset. Some scholars say Asr time ends at sunset. It starts when your shadow is equal to you and starts to get larger from there. Your shadow starts to get equal and larger and it carries on all the way till sunset. That is an opinion of the scholars. Another opinion actually says that the Asr time ends when the sun becomes hazy and yellow and orange. When the sun's about to set, even in this country you can see in the hills when the sun is going down on certain types of days, on warm days or whatever it may be, you see the sun is what color as it's going down? A bright orange, red, that type of color. And all of the sun rays are orange in the distance, the whole sky is orange. When it gets to that level, the sun is still there, you can see it. The sun is still there, and all of the orange rays, orange, red rays are there. At that time, some of the scholars say Asr time ends. When the sun gets right down, it's about to set now. It hasn't set yet. It's about to, it's all orange and red and all of those types of colors. It's got to that level. Then now Asr time ends. Some scholars, they say that. If you were to pray Asr when it got to that level, you could still pray Asr. But only out of necessity. If something happened, some issue occurred, you were unable to pray Asr before, then you could pray Asr at that time. When the sun is about to go down, it's orange, yellow, red. You could still pray. Your prayer would be accepted, but only if there was a need. Meaning, if there's no need, you shouldn't leave your Asr prayer till that very last time when the sun is about to set. You should pray Asr before that. Because some scholars, they say the actual time is up until it gets to that redness and yellowness and orangeness. It hasn't even gone down yet. Just before it goes down, when it goes orange and yellow and red, you should stop. Asr should be prayed before then. 
But if something occurred and there was a need, you could pray then from that point up until sunset. But other scholars, they say, no, it doesn't matter about that. All the way until the sun sets, you can pray Asr. Then when the sun sets, what begins? Asr time ends now and Maghrib time begins. From the time of sunset up until when? So the sun sets, Maghrib time begins. When does Maghrib time end? After the sun sets, does it go pitch black instantly? It doesn't. The sun sets even after sunset. After sunset, even 10 minutes later, you look outside and it's still light. Some of the street lights might still not be on yet. Especially on, 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 on bright, sunny summer days. The sun goes down, it could be half an hour before it actually gets dark and you need to put your lights on and things. So, after sunset, it doesn't go pitch black. You still have the remnants of the sun. You still have the leftovers of the sun rays, even after the sun goes down. The leftovers of the sun rays, the orangeness, the yellowness in the sky, it's still there. That yellowness, orangeness, redness, the rays of the sun are still there after it goes down. Then, after an hour or two hours, eventually, it gets dark and that redness eventually disappears. Then it does become pitch black. When that occurs, when the final rays of redness and orangeness disappear, even though the sun's gone down an hour ago, they might take another hour or two hours before they finally disappear and it goes pitch black. When they do finally disappear, that's when Maghrib time ends and Isha time now begins. And that is something noticed. Maybe not so much in this country, but in certain other climates, it's a lot more obvious that when the sun goes down, you still have the redness, the brightness in the sky, the blueness to some degree. Then after an hour or two hours, slowly, slowly the darkness comes in more and then all of that light and the redness, yellowness, everything disappears. When that occurs, now Maghrib time ends, Isha time begins. And when does Isha time carry on till? Some scholars say up till the middle of the night. You can carry on praying Isha up until the middle of the night. Some scholars say up to a third of the night. Up to a third of the night. Some of them say up to the middle of the night. And it is Sunnah for the Isha prayer to pray it a little bit later. To delay the Isha prayer and pray it at a slightly later time is better for the Isha prayer. So as soon as all of those sun rays disappear and it becomes pitch black, Isha time has started. But it is the sunnah that you don't pray at that first time. As soon as the time starts, it is actually sunnah to delay a, a while and pray the Isha prayer a little later. But the other prayers, it is sunnah that you pray them at the beginning time. Fajr should be prayed at the beginning time. Dhuhr should be prayed as soon as it goes past the highest point at the beginning time. Asr should be prayed as soon as the shadow is equal and it starts to uh, increase at the beginning time. Maghrib should be prayed at the beginning time. And there are evidences in the Quran and the Sunnah to indicate that. There are evidences in the Sunnah that indicate how when the companions used to go to the Fajr prayer in the morning, it used to be pitch black. They couldn't even recognize each other when they saw each other in the night. Right next to the person. They can't even recognize who's there right next to them because it's pitch black. So that means they were praying Fajr at the beginning time. 
Because the closer you get to sunrise, it becomes lighter and lighter. Even before sunrise happens, the closer you get to sunrise, it starts to get light before the actual sunrise. But in the narrations, it says the companions used to go to the Masjid of Fajr. It was so dark, the next person next to them, they couldn't recognize who it is. So dark. So they must be going to Fajr at the early beginning time, not late when the sun's about to come up. However, there are some narrations that say that when the Prophet ﷺ used to finish the prayer and leave, and the companions used to leave after the Fajr prayer, the brightness had appeared. That would indicate that they were obviously praying the Fajr prayer just before sunrise. So how do you combine between the two narrations? One narration that says when they finish the Fajr prayer, they go outside, it's appearing light now. It's starting to get light. Not sunrise yet, but it's getting close. It's getting light everywhere. But in the other narration, it says when they went to pray, it was pitch black. They couldn't even see each other. So how do you combine between the two narrations? Some of the people, some of the scholars, like the Hanafis, the people who claim to be upon the methodology of the Hanafis, they say that this second narration that says the companions, the Prophet ﷺ, when they finished, it was light outside, it was bright, it was getting very close to sunrise. It means that therefore you're supposed to pray Fajr late, just before sunrise. That's why you see some of these places pray Fajr very late. But... The scholars have explained it doesn't mean that. The scholars have explained because that, if you say that, it doesn't make sense the other narration then. How did the companions go and it was pitch black? They couldn't see each other. If they were going at the end time, if they were going at the end time, it would be already a little bit light. They'd be able to see each other. So it doesn't make sense. The scholars said what makes sense is that the Prophet used to pray Fajr at the early time of Fajr, at the beginning time. But he used to pray a very long Fajr prayer. He used to elongate the Fajr prayer. And that's from the Sunnah to make it a long Fajr prayer. So he would elongate the Fajr prayer to such an extent that by the time they did finish and go out, now it had started to get very close to sunrise. Because they'd prayed a very long Fajr prayer. They had started at the beginning time. But they'd prayed a long prayer. And so when they finished now, Time had gone on and brightness had started to appear. That is the correct understanding. So that's regards the Fajr. Dhuhr prayer also mentioned in the Sunnah that it is uh, best to pray it at the beginning time. There is one hadith though that says that it is permissible to pray the Fajr prayer later, not at the beginning time, to pray it a bit later when? When it's extremely hot. In this country we don't experience that. But in other places. When it's extremely hot. Because the middle of the day when the sun is at the highest point. That is the hottest time. And the more the sun goes down and down and down into the afternoon. The cooler it gets. So it says in that narration. That if there is extreme heat. Then it's permissible to delay the dhuhr prayer. So you get closer to the Asr prayer later in the afternoon when it's a bit cooler. That's mentioned. But otherwise, otherwise, you pray it at the beginning time. Asr as well. It's mentioned about Asr as well, how the companions used to pray the Asr at the early time with the Prophet ﷺ. There are narrations about how the companions used to pray and they would go to the other side of the city where they lived 
and still the sun had not gone into the orange or red or started to go down yet. So that shows they could pray Asr and travel to the other side of the city and the sun was still in the uh, high part of the sky. It wasn't almost about to set. So that means they must have been praying Asr early in the early time if they were able to pray and go to the other side of the city where they live, travel that distance and still the sun was up there. It wasn't coming down about to sink yet. So they must have prayed that Asr in the early beginning time as well. Maghrib as well, they would pray that at the early beginning time. Who can think of a narration that proves they used to pray Maghrib at the early time as well? Ah, so there's a hadith about how it's mentioned that after the Maghrib prayer, remember Maghrib prayer is after sunset. After the Maghrib prayer, it's mentioned in the hadith that if one of them was to fire an arrow, bow and arrow, you fire an arrow, how far is it going to go? Quite far. If you fire an arrow from a bow and arrow, it's going to go quite a distance. But it's mentioned in the hadith, after the Maghrib prayer, if they were to go and fire the bow, they would still be able to follow the arrow and see where it lands. To be able to do that, you need to have light. If you were to go in the pitch black at night and fire an arrow, you wouldn't have a clue where it landed. You wouldn't be able to see it. So the fact that they could fire their arrow after Maghrib, after sunset, and still be able to see where it's landed, must mean that there was still a reasonable amount of light, which must mean therefore they prayed Maghrib straight away after sunset. Because if they delayed it and prayed it later, then all of the redness, the light of the sky would slowly dwindle away. There would be hardly anything left. If they fired the arrows, it would be too dark to see. So the fact that they could still see where the arrows are going at a long distance must mean that there was still enough light left. So that must mean they were praying Maghrib straight after sunset. So this is what Imam al-Barbahari mentions here regarding the times of the prayers. Then he says, لا يزاد فيهن ولا ينقص في مواقيتها You cannot increase in those times. You cannot increase the times of the prayers. And you cannot decrease from them. So you can't come along and say that we'll start to pray Dhuhr at an hour before the sun gets to the middle of the day. Incorrect. Your prayer will not be accepted. You can't say we'll carry on praying Fajr even till after sunrise. It's okay. The time's okay. It's not. So you can't increase those times that have been prescribed and you can't decrease them. You can't decrease them. You can't say the time for Dhuhr ends uh, even before the shadow gets to your own length when the shadow gets to half of your length. You can't make up those extra rulings. You can't increase the times of the prayers and you can't decrease them. Similarly, you cannot increase or decrease the number of prayers. Five prayers established in the day. You can't increase that number. Say I'm going to pray ten in the day or I'm only going to pray two in the day. All of those prayers are on that exact number. Then he goes on to say, When you're traveling, when you're traveling, then it is only two raka'at. All of the prayers when you are traveling are only two raka'at, except Maghrib. Maghrib is three. Whether you are resident or you are traveling, Maghrib is three raka'at. 
But all of the other prayers, they become two raka'at when you are traveling. So dhuhr is four normally. When you're traveling on a journey, you can reduce that and pray two. Asar is four. When you're traveling, you can reduce it and pray two. Isha is four. You can reduce it and pray two. Maghrib is three. That stays as three. It is mentioned that originally, originally, the Dhuhr and the Asr and the Isha, they were originally how many raka'at? Two. They were originally two raka'at. Fajr is two always, that's always two. Dhuhr was originally two. Asr was two. Isha was two. Maghrib three. Then afterwards the ruling, it occurred that if you are traveling, you stay with those numbers. Two for Fajr as it is always. Two for Dhuhr, keep it at that. Two for Asr, keep it at that. Two for Isha, keep it at that. Three for Maghrib as always. But then the ruling changed that if you are resident, you're not traveling anywhere, then in that case you increase the Dhuhr to four raka'at. The Asr to four raka'at and the Isha to four raka'at. So initially all the prayers were two raka'at apart from Maghrib which is always three. But then the ruling was that if you're traveling you can stay with those numbers, twos. But if you're resident you must now increase the Dhuhr to four, increase the Asr to four, increase the Isha to four. Why was Fajr not increased to four then? Maghrib is three always, three always, three. Dhuhr was increased to four if you're resident. Asr was increased to four if you're resident. Isha was increased to four if you're resident. But decreased to two if you're traveling. Why was Fajr not increased to four when you're resident? Why was that kept as two whether you are resident or traveling? Why was Fajr not increased? Because Fajr prayer is long anyway. The Sunnah is to pray the Fajr prayer long anyway. Equivalent to a four raka'ah prayer. Fajr, how long you pray it, it would be the same at least as the length of a four raka'at prayer anyway. You're supposed to elongate it, pray long recitation in it. So that for, therefore that was kept as two. Because even though it's two raka'at, they are long raka'at. You're supposed to pray long Fajr prayer. So for that reason, that was kept as it is and the others were increased to four when you are resident. فَمَنْ قَالَ أَكْثَرَ مِنْ خَمْسِ Then Imam al-Barbahari says, So whoever claims or says that there are more than five obligatory prayers, i.e. he says there are six or more, فَقَدْ ابْتَدَعَ Then that person has innovated. And in fact, the Shaykh Rabia says, he's disbelieved, it's kufr, to claim that there are six or seven or eight or ten obligatory prayers in the day because you're then rejecting the ayat or the ahadith particularly that mention that there are five prayers obligatory in the day. The hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal. Tell them that Allah has made obligatory upon them five prayers in the day and the night. So Imam al-Barbahari says, whoever says there are more than that, then he has innovated. Sheikh Rabia says, Bal kafar. What has andakh? 
He's disbelieved if he says there are more than five. He's rejecting the clear narrations. لَيْسَ بْتَدْعَ إِذَا زَادَ عَلَى هَذَا الْأَصْلِ الْخَمْسِ هَذِهِ الثَّابِتَةِ فِي الْكِتَابِ وَالسُنَّةِ وَالْإِجْمَاعِ يَكُونُ مُشْرِعًا مُشَرِّعًا فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ يَكْفُرْ مَا هُوَ يَبْتَدِعْ فَقَطْ So the Shaykh says the fact that somebody comes along now and says there are six obligatory prayers or seven or eight, that person hasn't just innovated, he's disbelieved. Because he's now legislating in the religion of Allah. Allah has legislated five. He's coming along and saying, no, I'm legislating to you. There's seven in fact. He's now legislating in the religion of Allah. That is disbelief to do something of that nature. So the Shaykh says it isn't just innovation. It would be a complete kufr for a person to claim that there are more or less. It's mentioned, for example, Musaylama al-Kathab, the one who claimed prophethood for himself. After the Prophet ﷺ died and he brought some false witnesses, some liars who lied on his behalf for him. Some liars who lied on his behalf for him to say that the Prophet ﷺ told us he was going to be a prophet as well. Musaylama al-Kathab, Musaylama the liar. He said that there are two prayers. He said that there are only two prayers. That was one of his claims. That there are only two obligatory prayers. And he disbelieved due to that and due to various other affairs. He summarized the five prayers into two prayers only. He said there are only two prayers. So, he said to them that I am making obligatory upon you only two prayers. Because he was claiming now to be a prophet, the liar. He said, I am telling you that there are only two prayers. And this was one of his lies and one of his fabrications. And he was the one who claimed the prophethood lying. And he brought along with him uh, false witnesses who lied on his behalf to claim that he is a prophet. He said, or the sheikh says, if a person comes along now and says, that will cancel out the Fajr prayer because it's too difficult. Somebody comes along now and says, will cancel out the Fajr prayer because it is too difficult. We'll make it easy for people. They don't have to pray Fajr. The religion is a religion of ease. So we'll cancel out the Fajr prayer. As Shaykh Rabia says, this type of person, uh, you would fear upon them severely. Somebody who makes this type of statement, you would fear upon them severely. As the Shaykh says, we fear upon Al-Qaradawi for giving fatwas that resemble these types of statements. Giving fatwas that resemble these types of statements. So he says, Nakhafu Al-Qaradawi an yufti bi hadi al-fatwa. He gives fatwa similar to this. Then Al-Imam Al-Barbahari says, وَمَنْ قَالَ أَقَلَّ مِنْ خَمْسَ فَقَدِ ابْتَدَعَ Whomsoever says that there are less than five obligatory prayers, then he has disbelieved. And again, oh, he has innovated. Yeah, Imam Al-Barbahari says he has innovated. And Shaykh Rabia says, لا شك أن هذا كفر. No doubt this is disbelief. It's not just innovation, it is disbelief. A person who claims that there are less than five prayers in the day. Then Al-Imam Al-Barbahari says, 
Allah does not accept any of these prayers unless they are prayed in their times. يعني مثلا إذا صلينا الظهر قبل وقتها والفجر قبل وقتها لا تصح. If a person was to pray Fajr before the time starts or Dhuhr before the actual time starts, then it wouldn't be acceptable. It wouldn't be correct. Your prayer would not be accepted. Because Allah says in the Quran, إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا. The prayer is indeed upon the believers upon fixed times. There are fixed times for the prayers when it begins, when it ends. So you have to pray them in those times. Sheikh Rabia says, فَلَا نُصَلِّي هَذِهِ الصَّلَوَاتِ إِلَّا فِي أَوْقَاتِهَا So we don't pray these prayers except in their times. إِلَّا فِي الصَّفْرِ فَيَجُوزُ لَنَا الْجَمْعِ Except when you are traveling, then it is permissible to pray the prayers outside of their times because then you're allowed to combine. So you could delay the dhuhr prayer out of its time and pray it in the Asr time with Asr combining. Or you could bring forward the Asr prayer and pray it before its time with the Dhuhr prayer in the Dhuhr time. And the same with Maghrib and Isha. So when you're traveling, it's permissible to take one of those prayers out of the time either before or later because of the traveling and that is permissible due to the various narrations regarding traveling. So the Shaykh says in that case, the time for both of those prayers becomes one time. Because you combine them both into that one time. As for Fajr, Fajr As for Fajr, there is no time except the actual time. You can't delay that anywhere, you can't bring it forward anywhere. Fajr has to be prayed in the time of Fajr. It cannot be combined with the prayer after it Dhuhr. You can't combine Fajr and Dhuhr together. You can't combine it with the previous prayer, Isha and Fajr together. Those combinations cannot be done. As for the others, Maghrib can be combined with the Isha prayer and Dhuhr can be combined with the uh, Asr prayer. Then the Shaykh goes on to say, وَهَذَا الَّذِي كَانَ يَفْعَلُهُ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ وَرَدَ مَا يَدُلُّ عَلَى جَوَازِ جَمْعِ التَّقْدِيمِ The Maghrib, when you combine it with Isha, should you delay Maghrib and combine it at the time of Isha? Or can you bring Isha forward and combine them both at the time of Maghrib? It mentions here that the Prophet ﷺ used to delay the Maghrib and pray it with the Isha. When combining, he would delay the Maghrib and pray it with Isha. However, the Shaykh says there is proof that uh, there is evidence which indicates that it's permissible to bring the Isha forward and pray it at the time of Maghrib along with Maghrib. Some of the scholars, the Shaykh says, like Ibn al-Qayyim, they had a doubt regarding the permissibility of bringing Isha forward. Some of the scholars said, you're not allowed to bring Isha forward to the time of Maghrib and combine. That you're going to have to take Maghrib back to the time of Isha, delay it up until the time of Isha if you want to combine those two. So some of the scholars, they doubted whether it is permissible, 
They doubted those narrations and they mentioned there are weaknesses in them about bringing the Isha forward to the time of Maghrib. However, the Shaykh says, يَتَبَيَّنُ لِلْدَّارِسِ أَنَّ الرَّسُولِ جَمْعَ جَمْعَ تَقْدِيمِ وَهُوَ مُصَافٍ عَلَيْهِ صَلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامِ The Shaykh says, whoever researches into this will discover that actually the Prophet ﷺ did, on occasion when he was traveling, combine the Isha and the Maghrib at the time of Maghrib, to bring the Isha forward. And the Shaykh says, وَأَذْكُرُ مِنْ ذَلِكَ أَنَّهُ مَرَّتْ عَلَيَّ فَتْرَ طَوِيلَ وَأَنَا أَقُولُ بِمَا قَالَ أَبُوْ دَاوُودُ وَبْنُ الْقَيَّمْ فِي زَادِ الْمَعَادِ The Shaykh says, Shaykh Rabia, that for a very long time, he used to take that opinion, the opinion of Ibn al-Qayyim and Abu Dawood, that it's not permissible to bring the Isha forward and pray together at Maghrib time. He says, for a very long time, I used to take this opinion and I used to say that. He said, I used to doubt the authenticity of the narrations that the Prophet ﷺ brought the Isha prayer forward and prayed it together at Maghrib time. Then he says, حَتَّى عَثَرْتُ عَلَى حَدِيثٍ فِي الْبُخَارِ حديث أبي he prayed the Dhuhr and the Asr uh, Bilhajira wa Yani Wakta Dhuhr, meaning at the time of the Dhuhr prayer. Jawaz This therefore indicates that it is permissible to bring the prayers forward. Because in that occasion the Prophet ﷺ prayed the Dhuhr and the Asr combined at the time of Dhuhr. So that was combining them in the early time, the Dhuhr time. So similarly, therefore, it's permissible, Isha and Maghrib, when you make the combining, that you can bring them forward and do them in the early time, the Maghrib time. So that is a hadith in Al-Bukhari, and that would indicate that joining at the early time or the later time, both of them are permissible. Then Al-Imam Al-Barbahari says, لا يقبل الله شيئاً منها إلا لوقتها إلا أن يكون نسيانها. Allah will not accept these prayers except if they are prayed in their times unless... If somebody forgets. How do we know that? That forgetfulness is an exception to that rule? Due to the hadith where the Prophet said, مَن نَسِيَ صَلَاةً أَوْ نَامَ عَنْهَا فَلْيُسَلِّهَا إِذَا ذَكَرَهَا لَا وَقْتَ لَهَا إِلَّا ذَلِكَ If a person forgets the prayer, or he sleeps, oversleeps, accidentally, then he prays those two prayers as soon as he remembers. If you forget the prayer due to something, some circumstances, accident, something happens, and you forget about the prayer until later, the time has gone, as soon as you remember, you then pray that prayer. These circumstances made you forget whatever was occurring, accident, emergency, something, and you forgot the time of the prayer and it went out, then you remembered, pray as soon as you remember. And if you overslept, you slept one day, perhaps you overslept, you were tired. As soon as you wake up and you remember, then pray that prayer. Also, it mentions in another hadith, رَفَعَ عَنْ أُمَّتِي الْخَطَى وَالنِّسْيَانِ That Allah has removed from my ummah the burden of mistakes and forgetfulness. So if something genuinely occurred, some situation, some extreme circumstance, and you forgot about the prayer until the time had gone, then as soon as you remember, then you pray that prayer. Uh, and the hadith says that this is forgiven. And also in the ayah, رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَاخِذْنَا إِن نَسِينَا أَوْ أَخْطَأْنَا Oh, our Lord, do not hold us accountable if we forget, uh, if we make a mistake, or if we forget. If we forget, or if we make a mistake. 
So if a person forgets the prayer or he oversleeps, then the time of that prayer is as soon as he remembers or he wakes up. That is the time that he is supposed to then pray. Even if it was outside of the time. So somebody one day accidentally oversleeps at Fajr and you don't get up till after sunrise. As soon as you get up, then you go and pray the prayer. That is the time then. Uh, some of the scholars they say that if you are late for a prayer for example you oversleep one day by accident and you wake up after sunrise some of the scholars say now it's not an obligation to have to go make wudu straight away and pray because the time has already gone now so even if you casually got up and you got ready and prayed about half an hour later an hour later it would be okay other scholars say no, if you oversleep or you go beyond the time for whatever reason, as soon as you realize, as soon as you wake up, as soon as you remember, the first thing you've got to go is go make the wudu and pray. And that is what the Shaykh mentions here, that is what Imam al-Bahari is indicating also, that it should be as soon as you remember. If you wake up late, then as soon as you wake up, go and make the wudu and pray. Don't think, well, I've woken up late now anyway, the time has gone anyway. I'll casually get up now, casually get ready, and then an hour later when you're ready, you go pray your Fajr. Some scholars say it's acceptable because you're out of the time anyway, and when you remember, you go get ready and pray, even if it's an hour later now, it's okay. Other scholars say, no, as soon as you remember there, and then you have to get up and go and pray. As soon as you wake up, then go and pray. And that is the most correct opinion regarding it, that as soon as you wake up, as soon as you remember, then you should pray. Because in this narration, it says, وَكْتُهَا the time of the prayer is as soon as you remember. That's what it says in this hadith. At the very moment you remember, that's your time for the prayer then. Then he says, So a person is excused if you have forgotten or you overslept until you remember. And similarly, if a person is traveling, then you are also excused, as we've mentioned, to be able to delay a prayer or to bring it forward out of its time, to pray it as a combination, as a, a joining of the two prayers, then it is permissible to do that. It's mentioned on one occasion that Ibn Abbas عنhuma, was giving a lecture after the Maghrib prayer. And he gave a very long lecture. So a person got up and he said, the prayer, the prayer. What about the time of the prayer? The prayer is becoming late, the time for the next prayer. فَقَالَ لَهُ أَخِّرْهَا أَوْ أَخَّرَهَا مَنْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِّنِّي أَنَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ وسلم مِنْ غَيْرِ خَوْفٍ وَلَا صَفَرٍ ثَمَانِيًا مَعًا وَسَبْعًا مَعًا لألا يحرج أمته عليه الصلاة والسلام وما جعل عليكم في الدين من حرج فإذا 
لحق الإنسان حرج في صلاة الظهر المغرب في وقتها فله أن يؤخر إن كان مقيما شريطة أن لا يتخذ ذلك سنة وهذا على قول بعض المجتهدين أما جمهور أهل السنة ومنهم أهل الحديث فعلى أن الصلاة لا يصليها المقيم إلا في وقتها ومشروعية جمع التقديم والتأخير إنما هي للمسافر ولا يرون للمقيم أن يصلي الصلاة إلا في وقتها إلا إذا كان مريضا إذا كان مريضا أو مثلا مستحاضة فإن هؤلاء من المعذورين فلهم أن يؤخروا الصلاة إلى صلاة أخرى أو يقدموا على حسب ما يتيسر لهم أما المقيم الذي لا عذر له فجمهور العلماء على أنه يجب عليه أن يصلي كل صلاة في وقتها فيختلف حكم المقيم عن حكم المسافر عند هؤلاء وهؤلاء أيضا الذين أجازوا يختلفوا حكم المقيم عندهم عن حكم المسافر This section now the sheikh is talking about this incident where on one occasion Ibn Abbas was giving a lecture and he gave a long lecture to the extent that the next time for the prayer had entered. The next time for the prayer had come. So a person started saying the prayer, the prayer. So Ibn Abbas said to them, I have seen someone who is better than me doing this, i.e. delaying the prayer and praying it at a later time, the Prophet ﷺ, that I saw the Prophet ﷺ on occasion, sometimes, combining the dhuhr with the asr, or the maghrib with the isha, without any reason of traveling. He wasn't traveling, there wasn't any fear, there wasn't any other reason, that on some occasion, without those reasons, the Prophet ﷺ delayed the prayer. Meaning at this time, those reasons weren't present. He wasn't traveling, he was just giving a lecture. But he delayed the next prayer because his lecture was going on. So he said to them, I have seen the Prophet ﷺ do this, that on occasion without those reasons of traveling, etc., he would delay the prayer. However, the majority of the scholars, they say, that it is not permissible for a person who is resident to delay the prayer out of its time. Delaying the prayer, but it's still within its time, that's okay. It's within its time. It is still sunnah to pray at the beginning, but if you delayed it slightly and it was still within its time, it's okay still. It's within the time. But to delay a prayer out of its time, if you are resident, the majority of the scholars, the jumhur, they say it is not permissible. Some scholars based upon this narration of Ibn Abbas, they say on rare occasions, if something out of the ordinary happened, you were really tied up with something, there was a real difficulty and a burden, you were in some situation where you couldn't get out of it, something was occurring, some emergency, whatever it may be, and there was no real way for you to get out of it, there was a real difficulty upon you. You're not traveling though, you're not ill though, you haven't got a reason to be able to combine the prayers. But the scholars, some of them say, in those extreme circumstances, where you're really tied up and there's some real extreme difficulty upon you, you could combine the prayers. You could delay your dhuhr and pray it with asr later. Or you could delay your maghrib and pray it with the isha later. Even though you're not traveling. You're not ill. You haven't got any other reason to combine your prayers. On the odd occasion, as they say, in the blue moon, once in the blue moon, if something really came up, you could delay them without any reason. However, the majority of the scholars, they say no. The majority of the scholars, they say that is not correct. That if you have no reason, you are a resident, then you're not allowed to delay the prayer. Whatever your circumstances are, whatever the situation is, people, they say, sometimes I'm traveling on the motorway, so what? You stop at the services and you pray. 
They come with other excuses. Sometimes one person even said to me that I need to go out shopping this afternoon. We're going to go somewhere far. Is it possible that I can combine my prayers? Not far in terms of a journey. It's going to be local, but we're going to be gone for a long time. We're going to go at before Dhuhr and come back maybe near Maghrib. So are we allowed to combine Dhuhr and Asr for that reason? It's not permissible. That isn't a reason to combine the prayers. You're not traveling, you're not ill. So the majority of the scholars, they say it is not permissible to combine if you are resident. Unless if you are ill, there is some severe illness upon you, there's a great burden upon you, you could combine them. Or if you are traveling, then the rule has been given, you can combine them. But other than that, as a resident, the majority of the scholars, they say it is not permissible to combine without reason. As for the narration of Ibn Abbas, then yes, it is applicable in terms of you could delay a prayer somewhat, but not to an extent where it is beyond its time. So if a lecture was going on after Maghrib and it continued for a while beyond the normal congregational time for Isha, no problem. As long as you're not going to continue that gathering all the way till past the third of the night or the middle of the night, that wouldn't be permissible. Or you're giving a lecture after Dhuhr, you can't carry on talking all the way till Maghrib Adhan. You can't delay the Asr to that level as the majority of the scholars say. But you could carry on the lecture beyond the time of the congregation of Asr by 10, 20 minutes, whatever it is. And it goes beyond a little bit. But it's still going to be prayed in its time. That's okay. But the majority of the scholars say you can't delay outside of the time without reason if you are resident. So that is the section regarding the prayers that Imam al-Barbahari mentions. And next time, inshallah ta'ala, we'll begin with the next section, which is the section of the zakat. The section regarding zakat, that's what we'll begin with from next week, insha'Allah ta'ala. And then after that, he's going to go on to talk about uh, the shahada and the status of the sunnah and regarding certain rules of buying and selling and various other affairs that continue from that point. We'll carry on with from next week, insha'Allah.